0: Good morning. It's 840. The Wednesday edition of Jacksonville's Morning News continues, as you heard Mike Burr say a few minutes ago, kind of a Jacksonville style cool down we're going to feel today. Only the upper 80s. we We'd been in the mid 90s for about a week plus. So only the upper 80s is actually just a little bit of relief. If we'll keep that trend going all the way through the weekend straight ahead, and as we move into the weekend, it's the final weekend of early voting. We're six days away from the Florida primary, and when you take a step back, and if you will, I like to say a 30,000-foot view of things, you got Andrew Crenshaw who's leaving office, so a brand-new voice in Washington in the Congressional District 4. You have the legal challenges for um, sitting a uh, member of Congress uh, from our area, Corrine Brown, and a newly redrawn district in Congressional District 5. Northeast Florida state uh, political leaders are changing hands as well, as many have been Term limited. You have the public defenders race and the state attorneys race. This is a really big primary. We certainly hope that we'll see nice big turnout with it as well. On Friday at the WOKV Hobnob, we spotlighted a number of the races, including the race for state attorney. Yesterday on Jacksonville's Morning News, we gave time to uh, Melissa Nelson, the challenger. Today it's the incumbent Angela Corey's turn to step into the studio and talk about what the last eight years have brought. And I guess as we bring you in, thank you for coming in, Angela. What have you learned about leadership, about being a leader? over these eight years that you've been in office?
1: That you have to make tough decisions to make the office better, and we've done that. We brought this office out of 19th out of the 20 circuits. That's where it was under Harry Shorestein. And in order to get it into the top five as we have, you have to make some really tough decisions. People have to work hard. We had to trim the staff, and we had to improve our trial statistics and our conviction rate, and we've done that.
0: As you look forward to what potentially the next four years will hold— what are the, the big pressing budget challenges on the office? For whoever is in that office, how do you lead and manage that going forward? We've done
1: extremely well with our budget. We've managed to give raises to our employees. They're called retention raises because it is good for the taxpayers to keep qualified lawyers trying the cases, the difficult, complicated cases, year after year. When we have to switch lawyers out because they leave for private practice, it just we start over again. And that's not good for victims or for the taxpayers. So that's why we do raises. It's for retention and to keep competitive. I have 120 lawyers. We're the largest law firm in Northeast Florida. We've got to stay at least competitive.
0: How, how often do you lose lawyers for to private practice? I well, would imagine that's pretty lucrative. It,
1: it is. I mean, we start our lawyers at barely over $40,000 a year after seven years of college. Um, and, that's, and then they're capped. We're capped by my statute. Um, I mean, by my salary, which is set by statute. So we, we keep everybody in between those two numbers. And it's very difficult because in private practice, they can go out and make twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 more a year.
0: And, and you've had uh, the opportunities over the last several years to obviously be in the spotlight, try a number of high-profile cases. When we were talking at Hobnob, one of the questions that mm-hmm. was asked of you, I don't remember who asked it, was uh, your biggest regret. And I, I asked you even further, like, no, for you, over the last eight years, do you mm-hmm. regret anything? And you told me at the time that it was the way you communicate sometimes because of the, the challenge of what what the law is and how, how complicated it is. I'd like for you to expand on that. When you look back at how you communicate on these really challenging cases, like... Stand Your Ground cases right. and other, and Trayvon Martin's case, where you're in the spotlight, is that really a regret that that you've handled the communication aspect a little bit different?
1: Well, the regret is why was that one case in the spotlight? Why have any of the th- three or four cases my opponents throw at me in the spotlight? We deal with Florida law every single day on thousands of cases that are very similar in fact pattern to the ones who have been high profile. So the question is, Florida law itself is very complicated. You cannot explain justifiable use of deadly force in a soundbite. You simply can't. It would be like a doctor trying to explain complicated heart surgery in a soundbite. It can't be done.
0: And is there a way that you have learned to be a little bit more descriptive in language over the last eight years and going forward? Because that is the world we live in. I mean, like we're on Facebook Live right now, for example. Correct. It's, we weren't doing that eight years ago. And so how do you explain the law to the layman out there so that there is an understanding of that. And how do you evolve and how have you evolved over the last eight years? Well, in that
1: well we've um, gotten a wonderful website, sao And I have two people who work tirelessly to get good communications out. For example, I'll give you a quick example. Every time there is a conviction in Duval Clay or Nassau, that's a joint effort between Angela Corey, her office, and law enforcement. We don't get credit in the title. Ever of those articles. But every time there's something even perceived to be negative, Angela Corey's name or the sheriff's name or whoever else's name goes in the article. We want people to realize what we do every single day, not just when they pluck a particular case out and talk about it. And law enforcement deserves a ton of credit for making this community safer. And I think we do too for working with them.
0: You've talked about the stories that have been written about you or said about you. What is your story? Now's your opportunity to share that. So what is your my story?
1: story is I promise to be tough on crime and I have been and it has reaped a lot of benefits. Like I said, we were 19th with a pathetic conviction rate under Harry Shorstein, the homicide uh, rate was as high as 150 under him. It's never been even close to that high. We have charts on our website that are based on facts, not opinion. And the facts prove that I've been an effective state attorney and that the voters need to keep me there to keep this community safe. That's why I have the just amazing endorsements that I have from elected senators, representatives, for the mayor, former mayors, Law enforcement, it's overwhelming. And what people need to look at is my experience, my endorsements, because the endorsements speak to my experience and my effectiveness.
0: What role do you believe the state attorney actually ultimately plays in that homicide rate to bring it down? Because the perception can be, in many eyes, mm-hmm. that's that's law enforcement. Now, you're the, it, one of the top law enforcers in the community. Correct. But really, isn't that boots-on-the-ground police, sheriff's officers out there?
1: Well, some of the homicides can't be prevented no matter how many boots you have on the ground. Our domestic violence homicides, you could never deploy enough police officers because those happen behind closed doors. The targeted gang violence we have, you could have boots a block away and still someone could get killed. So the effective way to handle it is to punish people appropriately, send a clear message. We're not going to put up with the violence in this community. And we have sent that clear message.
0: You're talking about what fuels you. In the court of public opinion in a, in a campaign versus a court of law where, you know, an accusation obviously has to be met with certain levels of evidence. In politics, it can't necessarily. What keeps you fueled b- to be able to still find that balance between those two?
1: The overwhelming amount of support that we have, our endorsements are stellar. Do you know what an honor it is to have everyone from Senator Aaron Bean, Senator Bradley, Senator Travis Hudson, our mayors, our sheriff, law enforcement, other elected officials? Northeast Florida Builders, very conservative organization devoted to creating a better community here in Northeast Florida. I am so honored to have those endorsements. Those are the people who know me. They know the work that I do. They are hands-on in this community, so they've seen me in action. They've, a lot of them have known me my entire career. John Delaney wrote an amazing letter to the editor saying why I should be elected. People should read that.
0: At what point do you feel that the courts are going to ultimately decide the the state of Florida's death penalty? Because we have, I think the the number that we had was upwards of 60 inmates on death row. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's certainly some uncertainty going forward. When is it going to be decided? What impact does that have on those cases? And from a budgetary standpoint, do we have to retry all these going forward?
1: Well, some of them haven't been tried yet. I don't believe we'll ever get to the point where we have to retry the ones where the death penalty has already been not only approved by the courts, but it's been on post-conviction for years. Um, We've got people who've been on death row For more than 35 years, and the appellate process is ridiculously slow, but we're never going to stop fighting for justice for those victims. The death penalty is the law of the state of Florida. I will enforce it in appropriate cases. We will seek it in appropriate cases, and I will not apologize for doing that.
0: I've heard you and other lawyers use the terms aggravating circumstances, mitigating circumstances. That's the law. Is there any voice for the victim's family and you ultimately as the prosecutor making the decision to seek? the death penalty. And what is it? Is that a moral compass? What is it for you?
1: It It is a uh, constitutional duty to consult with the victim, but the victim does not Tell the state attorney what sentence should be imposed in any case. We give their feelings great weight, and we have done that with the very vocal Darlene Farah, who appears to be more interested in publicity than actually grieving for her daughter. Why stir that case up? That case is still pending. We have invited the defense to continue to present mitigation as we do in every single case. Why has that case been plucked out? It's yet another one. Whereas we have other victims who have suffered just as grievously as as Ms. Vera, and they aren't complaining at all. They're quietly waiting to see justice take its course.
0: We're going to keep the spotlight going on Facebook Live here for the next few minutes. Thank you for coming in. Best of luck in the next six days. We'll certainly be here with instant updates on the Florida primary and the uh, state attorney, public defender, and many other primary races. Uh, Our coverage will begin next Tuesday night at 6 on Jacksonville's Evening News.